Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another bonus Thursday episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days per year. I'm Anthony, and thanks again for joining us for another installment of Another Christmas Story. I can't believe we're already on week five of doing this, chapter four. The year really is flying by which I think we can all be grateful for. And that's one of the reasons I was excited about doing this this year and releasing my novel chapter by chapter, because I really did think it would be a new, fun, nice way of counting down the weeks until Christmas 2021. There's just one little bit of housekeeping I want to go over this week before I hand it off to listener and good friend from college, Rebecca Bull, who will be reading chapter four to y'all. I just wanted to thank you all for the feedback I've been getting on the book. It's all been extremely positive and heartwarming and touching, and it seriously means the world to me, because obviously it takes a lot for any artist to put their work out there for the world to see. So obviously I was nervous. I wasn't sure if anyone would be interested in this, so I'm glad people are. I'm glad people are listening and invested in everything like that. I did get one question, though. A listener listened to one of the audio episodes and went on the website to read the chapter, and they noticed words were missed or sentences changed when read aloud, and they were wondering why that was. And the simple, obvious answer is people make mistakes sometimes, we're all human. Uh, When we're reading out loud, as I'm sure all of you know from reading to younger siblings or children or just reading aloud to yourselves. You know, it's easy to stumble over your words, skip a word, change a word, and keep going without acknowledging it. So you have to allow some grace for that to happen. And in addition, you know, lots of us majored in English. Tom, Julia, and myself did. I know Rebecca this week did, and a few other listeners coming up this year You know, some things just sound better read aloud than they do written on paper. So, you know, every reader is taking their own little bits of liberty and spin when reading their chapters aloud to do what they think sounds best. And that's perfectly fine. So, you know, just allow some grace for the mistakes. And like I said, sometimes what the individual reader chooses to say out loud is better than what's on the page. That's why I'm uploading the chapter as well. So if you have any questions or something sounds confusing to you or you want to see what the original text was, you can always go to tisthepodcast.com and check it out. 
but I can assure you nothing will be so different that changes the meaning of the story. I do listen to every recording before we upload it for release and check it against each individual written chapter as well. So I just wanted to address that little bit of feedback I got, the question we got. And with that, I'll hand it over to Rebecca Bowl to read y'all chapter four. Enjoy! Chapter 4, Last Christmas, December 23rd, 7.30pm Eastern Standard Time. Johnson, party of three, your table's ready. It's about damn time I'm starving. Luke Johnson glanced sideways in exasperation at his girlfriend, Mary Holiday. They had been waiting for a table at the Modern for nearly an hour and a half now, a wait that had felt all the longer because it was cold and dark outside and the two had been travelling all day. A contemporary open space with floor-to-ceiling windows connected to the Museum of Modern Art. The place was jam-packed not only with regulars, but also an influx of tourists that had flocked to Manhattan for the holidays. And the young couple had spent their entire wait time watching as servers weaved in between the closely packed tables. Normally, Luke wouldn't mind the wait, as he'd passed the time sitting at the bar with a drink in hand. But as his girlfriend, who was busy gathering up her baby blue winter coat and purse at the moment, was nearly nine months pregnant, sitting at the bar wasn't an option, as he had given up drinking, whilst in her presence at any rate, in sympathetic solidarity with her until she gave birth. But just as he was forced to sit beside the woman, twiddling his thumbs as she got irate with each passing minute, he had been anxious to be seated as soon as possible. Though in fairness, he understood why she was annoyed. It had been a long day, she hadn't slept, and she was literally hungry enough for two people. Nevertheless, Luke felt bad for the hostess, who was bearing the brunt of his girlfriend's annoyance. Standing up, he flashed the pretty blonde, dazzling smile and stage whispered, Sorry about her. It's been a long day. She's hungry all the time now, as you can probably tell. He chuckled as he gestured to Mary's stomach as she sidled up beside him. Luke! Mary elbowed him hard, flushing red with embarrassment. I was only joking, Luke replied defensively. She knows I'm only joking. He turned quickly to the hostess. You know I'm joking, right, Rebecca, he added, squinting to peer at the name tag affixed to the shirt over her ample bosom. Of course, Rebecca smiled as she eyed Luke up and down hungrily, completely ignoring Mary. I, uh... I also can't help but notice that you're British. She twirled a strand of her long hair round her index finger flirtatiously. Very astute observation. Luke's smile widened as he winked at the woman, making her titter like a young schoolgirl with a crush. Mary eyed the two for a moment before forcing a sarcastic smile onto her face and placing a firm hand on Luke's shoulder as she addressed the hostess. Yes, that's right. My boyfriend and I just got into New York from Newcastle a few hours ago. Rebecca turned to face Mary for the first time, as though just noticing her. You're British too! She shook her head as though to clear it. And pregnant. I must say, it suits you. You're absolutely glowing. That's very kind of you. Cheers. Mary's fake smile continued to widen as her hands balled into fists. But actually, I'm not British, I'm American. I just lived over there for nearly a decade, so I guess I 
picked up the accent. Oh, how lucky! You know, now you mention it, your accent doesn't sound as genuine as your boyfriend's here. I can sort of detect the American in it. Mary's inauthentic smile evaporated at the comment. The hostess gave her boyfriend an almost imperceptible flirty wink, at which Luke was unable to conceal a gleeful smile. Mary opened her mouth angrily to tell the woman off. Her boyfriend was quicker than her, however, for he placed a calming hand on her lower back and muttered, Howie, just relax. We're just having fun. Mary closed her mouth obediently as Luke politely addressed Rebecca. I believe you said our table was ready. Of course, if you'd follow me. The hostess made to turn and lead the couple to the heart of the bustling upscale restaurant before pausing and doing a double take. I'm sorry, but I think we have you down for a reservation for three. Our friend is meeting us, Mary confirmed. She's on her way. She just got held up a little late at work. You know how it is. She shrugged in a what can you do sort of way. <sighs> yeah, Rebecca's smile faltered somewhat as she pursed her lips. But I'm afraid we have a strict policy that we can't see the party until all members have arrived. Luke's smile disappeared as a wave of anger washed over Mary at the words and a sudden desire flared up within her to physically knock what remained of the hostess's smile off her face. That's a stupid policy. It's not our most popular one, I admit, the hostess conceded with a shrug, but I'm afraid rules are rules. Sensing that Mary was itching for a fight, Luke quickly stepped forward and in between the two women before his girlfriend could say another word. Do you mind if I had a word with you? He asked Rebecca, who appeared taken aback. Over there. He nodded in the direction of the crowded bar, at which its patrons were talking, laughing and watching their NBA game on the flat screen TVs affixed to the wall behind the bar. Without waiting for an answer, he placed a large strong hand on the obliging hostess's lower back and began to guide her over in that direction, as behind him, with his free hand, he held out a finger to silently instruct his girlfriend to wait where she was. Once they were out of Mary's earshot, Luke smiled down at Rebecca, who was staring up at him, completely enamoured by his boyish good looks. This'll only take a minute. He took a deep breath and glanced backward at his girlfriend, who was peering in his direction suspiciously, her arms crossed haughtily across her chest. I used to work in the food service industry while I was studying at university, so I understand you guys have a policy here, and trust me when I say I get it, but how about you do me a favour and just let us have our table anyway, eh? I mean, you're not blind, look at her. Both turned to glance at Mary again. She could pop at any minute now. She's moody, she's tired, she's sore, she's starving. I mean, she's eating for two. And I know she'll cheer right up if she can just take the load off her feet and get some food in her. So how about it? I swear to you, her friend is on her way. She should be here any minute. Look, I'm sorry. Rebecca insisted, but if other people waiting see me make an exception for you... You clearly don't know my girlfriend, Luke laughed. She's not the type who's just going to wait quietly. She'll cause a scene, take to social media, and even contact the news if she has to. I mean, do you really want it to get out that you denied seating a pregnant woman due to some arbitrary rules set by the owner of the place, who, I'd hazard a guess, isn't even here tonight? Rebecca, who had opened her mouth to protest immediately shut it as she registered Luke's not-so-subtle threat. Chancing a glance at the pregnant woman, who looked as though she were about to glow 
blow a gasket at any moment, she stuck her tongue out of the corner of her mouth thoughtfully before giving a curt nod. Fine, I'll seat the two of you. Then, dropping her voice to a sultry whisper, she dragged her index finger down Luke's chest, sending a tingling shiver down the man's spine. But only because you asked so nicely. She winked seductively at him. I thought you might change your mind. Luke's smile widened before beckoning Mary over to join them. As they followed Rebecca, weaving between the crowded tables of the restaurant, Mary hissed in an undertone, What did you say to her? Don't worry about it, Luke replied out of the corner of his mouth. When they reached their table, already set for three, Rebecca placed menus down at each place setting, before instructing them to enjoy their meal and hurrying away, leaving the couple alone. You know, Luke began as he opened up his menu and stared down at it, as Mary sat down with a contented sigh. You didn't have to be so nasty to her. I wasn't, Mary exclaimed outrage. It's a stupid rule and you didn't have to be so flirty with her. Luke snorted in response without looking up from his menu. See, you don't even deny it. I saw the way you were looking at her. Don't be so ridiculous. That's the hormones talking. The hormones, Mary repeated. You blame everything on the hormones. I'm not an idiot, Luke. She seems smitten with you. And in fairness, who could blame her? She eyed her attractive boyfriend across the table. His strong jawline, light brown eyes, dirty blonde hair, bulging biceps and six-pack abs that were extremely evident through his tight button-down dress shirt all exuded a rugged, boyishly macho charm that seemed to attract a lot of women. Hell, it was an enormous part of what attracted Mary to him in the first place. Where's Natalie? Luke finally looked up from his menu. She left work 15 minutes ago? Mary double-checked the last text message she'd received on her phone. So she could be here any minute, or she could be another half an hour. You never can tell with New York traffic. Only worst place in this country is LA. Finally opening her menu, she placed one hand on her stomach and asked, I'm starving. What should I get? You're the native New Yorker. You chose this place. Haven't you eaten here before? Have you eaten everywhere in Newcastle? Mary raised an eyebrow as she stared up from her menu, annoyed. What kind of stupid question is that? But to answer your question... No, I haven't eaten here before. It's new, and you know I haven't been home for two years. Just get something spicy, Luke instructed as she looked down at the menu once more. It's supposed to induce labour. <laughs> spicy it is then, Mary replied absentmindedly, skimming her options as the baby inside her kicked in a particularly hard fashion. I need this thing out of me. I'm going to miss the boobs though. I think the whole world is going to miss the boobs, Luke joked, eliciting a laugh from his girlfriend. Yeah, well, she sighed deeply. I really should try to hold off on inducing labour until the 26th. Christmas babies always get screwed over by having their birthday fall on the biggest holiday of the year. Although maybe giving birth sooner rather than later will neutralise that angry reaction my parents are sure to have about the fact I never told them I was pregnant in the first place. Luke shook his head in disbelief, his smile disappearing. I told you that was a mistake. They're sure in for one hell of a surprise. Hey, Mum and Dad, I know I haven't seen you in three years, but guess what? I'm pregnant. Sorry, I never picked up a phone to let you know. We've never been close, Mary deadpanned. Seriously, though, my parents are old-fashioned. They'd have expected me to get married, and I wasn't ready for that. I'm still not, she admitted before hastening to add. No offence. 
trust me, none taken, Luke insisted. But how's it going to look when they meet me for the first time? They're just going to see me as the guy who knocked you up and refused to marry you. Every other thing you've already told them about me will just disappear from their minds. Hmm, about that. Mary shifted uncomfortably in her seat. Luke's shoulders dropped. What? Mary bit down on her lower lip guiltily. I was trying to find the right time to tell you, but I guess now's as good a time as any. She inhaled deeply before allowing the next sentence to spill out of her mouth as quickly as possible. <clears throat> My parents don't even know you exist at the moment. They what? It's very possible that I may not have even told them I'm seeing anyone, let alone you, Mary admitted. Mary, we've been together since last Christmas and we've been fooling around longer than that. I know, I know, I'm sorry. What, are you embarrassed of me or something? No, it's nothing like that. Mary waved her hand through the air as the baby kicked again. I'm embarrassed of them and if they knew I had a boyfriend or that I was pregnant, they'd have flown out to visit me in England and probably have tried to force me to move back home. So? Luke demanded in frustration. You should have let... What's wrong with having a family that cares about you? We don't get along. Mary clenched her jaw, her voice rising loud enough to draw curious stares from tables nearby and an annoyed look from Rebecca from where she stood in the front of the restaurant. I screwed up, okay? Christmas is my favourite holiday and I'm dreading it this year because I don't want to see them. Oh, grow up, Luke reprimanded. You did screw up. Nobody gets along with their families or wants to see them during the holidays. It's practically a prerequisite of celebrating Christmas, but it's what makes family, family and Christmas, Christmas. At the words, tears of frustration began to fall from Mary's eyes, which barely managed to elicit an exasperated sigh from her boyfriend. Look, Mary... I really wish you would have told your parents about your pregnancy sooner, especially if there was a chance that they would have tried to force you to move back to New York. Because honestly, the fact of the matter is... He let out a humourless laugh as he shook his head. I don't know how to say it, so I'm just going to come out with it. I think we should see other people. You what? Keep your voice down, people are staring, Luke hissed, staring around at the tables nearest them apologetically. What do you mean you want to see other people? How come? Well, for starters, how about because you never felt it necessary to tell your parents about me or the baby? I mean, Mary, don't you realise how immature that makes you sound? And you try to put the blame for that decision on your parents, just like you blame me when you found out you were pregnant. You didn't take any percentage of that blame at all, despite the fact it takes two people to make a baby. And frankly... I don't need the added drama in my life. We're about to have a child, Luke. Well, maybe. I'm just not ready to be a dad. Luke slammed a fist down onto the table in frustration, causing the china to rattle and Mary to lean back in her seat, surprised. Closing his eyes tight in an attempt to calm himself down, Luke continued. I'm sorry, it's just that's the second part of all of this, okay? It's been coming on for a while and I've been waiting to tell you. I mean, clearly I should have said something before flying here from England with you. I just never found the right opening and... You're not ready to be a dad, Mary repeated, disgusted by the man sitting in front of her. Well, tough! You're about to become one any day now. I'm not ready to be saddled down like that. I'm just not ready for responsibility. Luke, 
every new parent feels that way at first, but no, Mary, you don't get it, Luke exclaimed, desperate to make her understand. I just, I can't be part of your life anymore, and I don't want to be a part of your child's life either. I'm sorry. As the child kicked again, Mary placed both hands on her stomach and narrowed her eyes against the tears splashing down her face. You can't just leave us in the lurch. I'll sue you for child support. You know what? Go ahead. Luke stood up and began to pull his winter coat back on over himself. I'm sure you'll win, but it doesn't change the fact I'm not going to be part of the kid's life, or yours for that matter. Frankly, we should never have been together this long to begin with. Where are you going? Mary demanded as Luke turned his back on her. Back to Newcastle. I'm going to swing by the plaza, grab my bags and get out of your hair. You'll never be able to get a flight back till after Christmas, Mary spat. Well then, I'll find somewhere else to stay for the next few nights. His eyes immediately found the hostess across the crowded room, who kept throwing the couple curious glances from where she stood. You mean with that bimbo? Mary asked, revolted. Her name's Rebecca, Luke replied with as much dignity as he could muster, before staring down at the pregnant woman with pity. Look, the room's paid for through to January 2nd. Feel free to keep using it as you want to. It's the least I can do. Don't you walk away from me, Luke, Mary shouted, astonished to see that the man was doing just that. She watched in amazement as he weaved his way through the tables once more, stopped where Rebecca was standing at the front of the establishment, and gasped when he handed her his business card. Then, with one final backward glance at Mary, he disappeared into the cold, dark winter's night. Mary sat in disbelief at what had just happened, as the patrons at the tables nearest her resumed their chatter while throwing sympathetic looks in her direction. She couldn't understand it. Her boyfriend of a year had just left her stranded in New York City while just about nine months pregnant. Stunned by this turn of events, she picked up one of the cloth napkins from the table and began to dab the tears away from her face, wishing there was a way to block out the cheery Christmas music playing throughout the space. She loved Luke, and she thought he'd loved her too, she had no idea that he'd harboured such deep disdain towards her or their unborn child. How long had he only stayed with her because he didn't know how to break up with a pregnant woman? Before she could spiral too far down that particular rabbit hole, there was a loud squeal of glee and a cheery voice shook her from her reverie. Oh my God, look how big you are! Her best friend since high school, Natalie Hernandez, was heading quickly toward her stripping off her heavy winter jacket and scarf as she walked. She was just as pretty as she had always been, and multiple men turned to stare as she walked past their tables. Her jet black hair was done up in an elegant twist atop her head, and she was wearing a form-fitting red dress that matched the shade of lipstick she was wearing, which also happened to accentuate her voluptuous body, and pinned to her bosom, giving people the perfect excuse to stare at it, was a gold pin shaped like a Christmas wreath. Hi, Nats. Mary plastered a fake smile onto her face and she made to stand up. Don't get up, don't get up. Natalie bent down to hug Mary tightly where she sat. Look at you. Your boobs are almost as big as mine now. You look like you're ready to pop. As the woman rubbed her belly affectionately, Mary pointed out, I'm all stomach. I barely gained anything in the arms or legs. And if you look at me from behind, you'd barely be able to tell I'm pregnant. Should make it easier to lose the weight after I push this kid out of me. I could listen to you talk all day with that accent, Natalie remarked as she took a seat at the table across from her. 
I'm so sorry I'm late. We were on a deadline, so I had to make sure a book got sent to the printer, and by the time I managed to get out of there, well, forget it. You know what it's like here. A little ice, and the city grinds to a halt. I can't imagine how bad it's going to be tomorrow if we get as much snow as they're predicting. She sighed happily as she reached across the table and patted one of Mary's hands affectionately. It doesn't matter, though. How are you? How's work? Today was my first official day of maternity leave, Mary replied, looking everywhere but directly into her friend's eyes so as not to give away how sad she felt. God knows how my boss is going to manage without his executive assistant for a year. I was just about to say I never understood why you stayed in England after graduation, but with maternity leave like that, Natalie laughed. Seriously, though, you used to be so determined to make it on Broadway. You dreamed about seeing your name written in the stars. Or at least plastered all over billboards in Times Square, Mary admitted wryly. Remember all those musicals we did together in high school? <sighs> yeah, well, Mary shrugged. That was a long time ago. Sometimes reality comes crashing down and dreams change. Sensing her friend wanted to change the subject, Natalie asked, how was the flight? Then, noticing him for the first time, there were only two people at the table, she said, Where's Luke? Yeah, about that. Mary let out a humorless laugh before finally meeting Natalie's eyes. Mary, what's wrong? Natalie asked, surprised to see how bloodshot they were. Have you been crying? Mary took a deep breath and, determined to exude an air of strength and prevent tears from flowing in front of her best friend, recounted the story about what had just transpired moments before. By the time she'd finished telling it, Natalie was staring at her in open mouth shock. That cold-hearted bastard! I can't believe he did that! Mary gave a small shrug. It's my own fault, I guess. Mary, listen to me, Natalie interrupted, her voice deadly serious. No matter what you did wrong during your relationship, there is no excuse to justify Luke leaving you in the middle of New York City. Two days before Christmas, nine months pregnant. Do you understand me? Mary nodded half-heartedly as Natalie leaned back in her chair, shaking her head in disgust. I knew there was something off about that guy when I met him earlier this year. Remember, I told you he rubbed me up the wrong way. You don't have to rub it in, Mary spat placing a hand on her stomach to calm the baby, which had begun to kick again. I'm sorry, I didn't mean... I know, Mary said sadly. I'm just on edge, with my hormones ru running rampant and everything, but hey, she tried to inject a level of cheer into her voice. At least he's giving me the hotel room he booked us for this week. How nice of him, Natalie remarked sarcastically. Cancel it. You can come stay with me. No, Mary replied quickly. I couldn't. I insist. So do I, Mary stressed emphatically, taking her friend by surprise. Nat, I love you, I really do, and I'm grateful, but I think some time alone will do me good. Besides, I think I'm only going to stay tonight and get a flight back to Newcastle tomorrow morning. Before Christmas? Natalie asked, shocked. But what about your family? I can't face my parents like this alone, Mary gestured at her stomach. Mary, Natalie began uncertainly, with Luke out of the picture, I think you're going to need all the help you can get. I'm not saying you can't do it. You're a strong, independent woman and all, but raising a baby is hard. Mary bit down on her lower lip, blinking back tears. I know, you're right, you're right.
I'm always right, Natalie teased, eliciting a laugh from her friend. But seriously though, if you don't want to stay with me tonight, that's fine. Just get a good night's sleep, spend the day relaxing, and I'll swing by your hotel after I get off work so we can head home to Bayside together, okay? And if you don't want to face your parents alone tomorrow night, I can be there with you. You don't have to. I know I don't have to, Natalie interjected gently. But I want to. Just sleep on it and let me know tomorrow, alright? Okay, Mary let out a grateful laugh. Thanks. Where are you staying anyways? The plaza? The plaza? Natalie's eyes widened. Well, no wonder you don't want to stay with me. Take advantage of it. Get room service, a massage, the whole works. And make sure to charge everything to the room. Both women burst into fits of laughter at this statement. But before either could speak another word, a waiter sidled up to their table with a warm smile on his face. So sorry to have kept you waiting. My name is Marcus and I'll be your server tonight. Can I start you ladies off with anything to drink? An appetizer? I actually haven't had a chance to look at the menu yet, Natalie admitted with an apologetic smile. I'll give you a few more minutes. Actually... Mary interrupted the man before he could walk away. I'm really not that hungry. I think I'm just going to go. Are you sure? Natalie asked, peering at her friend, concerned. Absolutely. Mary pushed herself to her feet. Sorry to waste your time, she said to the gobsmacked waiter, before hurrying for the front doors of the restaurant as fast as her pregnant belly would allow her. She could sense Natalie hurrying after her, but refused to slow down until she passed Rebecca the hostess at the front of the establishment. You're leaving? The woman said, aghast. But I, I'd rather eat anywhere else than this hole of a restaurant, Mary interrupted, earning a look from the hostess that suggests she'd just slapped the woman in the face. And by the way, if you ever do end up calling that guy who was here earlier with me, Luke Johnson, good luck. You're going to need it. And before the flabbergasted host could respond, Mary pushed her way out of the building with Natalie following close behind. Mary allowed her best friend to accompany her on the five-block walk uptown to the Plaza Hotel on 58th Street. If she was being honest with herself, she was glad of the company on the stroll along the frigid streets of Manhattan, which were completely dark apart from the neon storefronts blinking on either side of them and the Christmas lights twinkling warmly above. There was a certain magic about winter, particularly the Christmas season, that Mary had always liked. It made the city of New York seem quieter and emptier than it ever actually was. Natalie was actually a big help in safely guiding Mary along the icy sidewalks, which were sprinkled with nowhere near as much sand as they should have been, and did an excellent job distracting her from being consumed by troubled thoughts, by rambling on and on about the trivialities of her own life while being careful not to let slip anything about romantic endeavours that she may or may not have had going on herself. When they came to a stop in front of the plaza, she engulfed Mary in a tight hug just as the baby kicked again. I felt the baby move, she exclaimed, amazed. Mary laughed. It tends to do that. It's been pretty active for a while now, more so that I'm nearing the end of pregnancy. Natalie nodded as she stared up at the late 19th and 20th century revival building with lighted garlands strung up beside the row of flags affixed to the front, flapping wildly in the wind before turning to stare at the equestrian statue of William Tecumseh Sherman at the centre of the Grand Army Plaza, 
bounded on the north by Scholar's Gate, on the south by the Burgerdorf Goodman department store and the plaza itself on the west. Turning to stare down East 58th Street, she could just make out the facade of the world-famous toy store, F.A.O. Schwartz. The area was a beautiful place to stay. But, turning to glance at Mary, her heart sank when she realised her friend was in no place to appreciate its beauty. Are you going to be alright tonight? I really don't mind if you want to stay with... I'll be fine, Mary interrupted, before glancing up at the peaks of the hotel. If I need anything, I'll call. I promise. Natalie eyed her uncertainly for a moment before nodding and flashing a small reassuring smile. Well, try to get some sleep, alright? She engulfed Mary in yet another hug, and try not to dwell on Luke or anything negative. Upon releasing her, she held her at arm's length and added, See you tomorrow. Mary nodded. See you tomorrow. And with a tiny wave, she hurried beneath the hotel's awning, nodding in acknowledgement at the two doormen flanking the doors, and entered the stunning marble lobby with glass ceilings and a mosaic-tiled floor. She barely had time to sweep the grand space with her eyes, however, before a wave of emotion hit her. Luke had left her, and she would have to face her parents the following evening alone, truly alone, for the first time in her life, apart from the unborn baby inside of her and her own dark thoughts. The thought was enough to make her sick. Perhaps that was pregnancy sickness. Perhaps she felt all nauseous because she hadn't eaten. Or maybe it was a combination of all three. Whatever the case, Mary rushed past the lobby's towering Christmas tree, with mounds of wrapped gifts beneath its branches and its clear lights sparkling, and hurried for the elevators, her vision becoming blurry from the tears now building up in her eyes and threatening to spill down her face. So concerned with preventing that from happening until she reached the privacy of her room, she didn't notice the man directly in her path until she bumped into him. I'm sorry, she choked as she stumbled backward, grateful that the man reached out a hand to help her balance. It's my fault. I shouldn't just be standing round in the middle of the lobby doing nothing. The man smiled wide, and as Mary blinked away her tears and he came into focus, she noticed she had run into one of the hotel porters. Tall and lanky, with delicate, almost feminine features, the man was so attractive with his fiery red hair and twinkling green eyes that his dorky red and black uniform didn't detract from his appearance whatsoever. Indeed, the light of the Christmas tree looming over them illuminated him in such a way that it appeared as though a halo of light was shining down from the heavens above directly onto him. So transfixed by the porter was Mary that she stared at him so long the man finally had to ask, "'Is everything all right, madam?' Yes, I'm sorry. Mary quickly looked away. I didn't mean to. You look as though you've been crying, the man pointed out, studying her face closely. Mary felt herself flush a deep shade of red at the words and mentally kicked herself for being such an idiot. He hadn't noticed her staring, but he had noticed her puffy eyes. I'm fine, she reassured him. I'm just, just tired. I need to get to sleep. She motioned at the elevator bank behind the man. Well, luckily for you, I work the elevators. The man smiled and extended a hand. I'm Gabe. Mary. She shook the man's soft hand. Mary, Gabe repeated with a smile. An appropriate name for a pregnant woman who looks as though she's due to give birth on Christmas. Oh, please. Mary snorted in derision before letting out a laugh as Gabe called on one of the elevators. 
as if things weren't going my way already, the last thing I need to do is give birth on Christmas Day. The elevator doors opened and Gabe allowed Mary to step past him into the box before following suit. Which floor? 12. Once the elevator doors closed and they began to ascend, Gabe turned to Mary and asked, Are you sure you're all right, madam? It's just... It's been a long day. She let out a bitter laugh. I'm just ready for the holiday season to be over, which is something I never thought I'd say, she admitted quietly, almost as an afterthought. Gabe nodded his understanding. A lot of people feel that way this time of year. It's normal to feel overwhelmed around the holidays and fixate on evaluating your life. It's not healthy to keep all of your emotions bottled up, though. You know what else? I truly do believe there's something magical about Christmas. Mary raised an eyebrow sceptically. I believe Christmas Day holds power to make even the most cynical and those of us who hurt the most feel a little bit happier. It's the power of the so-called Christmas cheer. So, if you're feeling upset and hopeless right now, just try and keep that in mind. Open yourself up to be touched by it. Opening myself up to being touched hasn't yielded the best results in the past, Mary joked, patting her stomach. I'm serious, Gabe smiled warmly. There's a reason that the holiday season begins earlier and extends later with each passing year. People are desperate to hold on to the feeling that Christmas leaves them with. If you don't mind me asking, are you religious? Do you want to buy me a drink first before diving straight into the personal questions? Mary laughed before answering. I was raised a Catholic, but I haven't prayed or been to church in years. Well, all I know is that if I were feeling particularly distressed and needed some guidance, I'd find a church to sit in and think on it for a while. Who knows what answers you could find there? Besides, if you're going to go to Mass, is there ever a better one to go to than a Christmas service? Even if you're not religious, I'm sure you'll know all the carols to sing along to. The elevator came to a stop at that moment and the doors opened, for which Mary was extremely grateful. Well, thanks for the illuminating conversation, but I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it here. She stepped out of the box. And thanks for the ride. As she began to dig through her purse for some cash to tip him with, Gabe held up a polite hand to rebuff her. Don't worry about it, he insisted. If you need anything else, just make sure to call for Gabe. And with a final wink, the elevator doors closed again and obscured him from view, leaving Mary alone in the hallway with her hand in her open purse. What a weird guy, Mary mused as she made her way down the hallway. When she found her room, she stared at the number hanging on the door and sighed softly. Room 1225. It's like the universe is making a mockery of this situation. Opening the door, she walked into the dark room and turned on one of the bedside lamps before allowing herself to fall into the king-size bed. Her arms splayed out as far as they could stretch. She stared up at the ceiling for a moment before turning onto her side and staring out of the window at the Christmas lights, illuminating the streets below. The lights were always one of her favourite things about the holidays. They normally always managed to cheer her up. Tonight, however, they weren't helping. They were only making her think about how depressed she felt, how she dreaded seeing her family, how much she feared being a single mom raising a child alone and 
how surely this was going to go down as one of the worst Christmases in her life. In fact, she was pretty confident she hadn't felt this way around the holiday season for almost a decade. Pushing herself into a sitting position, refusing to think back that far and become even more depressed, Mary spotted a minibar across the room and hurried over to it. She was craving a drink and although she knew she couldn't have one, she started removing every piece of liquor from the little fridge in order to rack up Luke's credit card bill. As she carried the armful of tiny bottles to the bathroom sink and began to pour them all down the drain one by one, she couldn't help but start to laugh. The laughing, however, quickly turned to sobbing, but because she was alone, she allowed the tears to flow freely. After all, as the kindly porter in the elevator had advised her, it wasn't healthy to try and hold in such strong emotions. I know I said it last week with Tom and the week before with Julia, but how great was Rebecca's reading voice? I am so happy with the amount of talent we've managed to put together to read these chapters week in and week out. And I think so many different voices doing it will help keep the story fresh all year long. So thanks, Rebecca. We hope you enjoyed this week's chapter of another Christmas story. If you did, please consider sharing this episode with your friends and family or sharing our website, tisthepodcast.com, with your friends and family as well, because the audio version is on the website along with the written text version of the chapter in case reading it for themselves is more of their jam than listening to it. Or maybe they like to read along as they listen, whatever your preference is. The more eyes I can get this in front of, the better. Maybe a publisher will get wind of it. Maybe Hallmark will get wind of it. Who knows? All I know is The Martian started out as a chapter-by-chapter book on the author's blog. Fifty Shades of Grey started out online and became and self-published before getting picked up by a publisher. So it happens quite often with modern books. So if you could share these Thursday chapters every week, I'd really appreciate it. I put a lot of work into this book. I'm very happy with this book. I would love if something became of this book other than just sharing it for free with all of y'all. And if you like Tis the Podcast in general and our Monday proper shows and want to help the show in a free way, leave us a review on iTunes because every new review helps new listeners find us and helps us to spread the Christmas cheer 365 days per year. Not only that, but you'll get a sticker, a free Tis the Podcast sticker, and who doesn't want that? And if you want even more Tits of Podcast content, for as little as a dollar per month, join our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Podcast or tizapodcast.com slash Patreon, and you'll get bonus episodes. We have a whole slate of Halloween stuff up there from last year, Hamilton, Thanksgiving episodes. There's a lot of content from last year, and I know it's been slow going this year, getting new stuff up, but me, Tom, and Julia are are revving up to start recording for Patreon again. And there are different tier levels too. So if you want to contribute more than a dollar, depending on what you're willing to contribute, you could get Christmas cards every year, enamel Tissa podcast pins. There's lots of good stuff up there. So check it out. And if you want to join in the conversation each and every week, you can do so by visiting tissapodcast.com slash Facebook, Facebook group, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Insert your preferred social media and join in. 
Our Facebook group is definitely the most active year-round. It's constantly busy, and people are always willing to engage and talk. Not just Tom, Julia, and myself, but other amazing listeners, other Christmas podcast hosts you know and love. It's the place to be, and it will definitely help make the year go by faster for y'all. And we encourage all kinds of conversation there, not just Christmas-related conversation, even though that is the bulk of what's up there. We like pop culture news, uh, comic book news, TVs, movies, uh, other holidays, especially the Burr Month holidays that count down to Christmas. It's all welcome there. It's a community. We built this little family that we're so proud of. We have the best listeners in the world. So, so consider joining in the conversation. Not only can you let us know what you thought of this chapter of Another Christmas Story, Chapter 4, on our social media sites, but you can also let us know what you thought of the Christmas episodes of Arrested Development, which we just covered this past Monday in the regular Monday proper episode of the show. In addition, you can let us know what you think of the the first three Home Improvement Christmas episodes, which are covering next week. Or the community Christmas episodes, which are covering the week after. Lots of fun holiday-themed TV content coming your way in the coming weeks. So make sure not only to keep your eyes on your podcast feeds this Monday for your first Home Improvement episode, but keep your eyes this upcoming Thursday for another installment of Another Christmas Story, which will be brought to you by Jerry D. of Totally Rad Christmas, who will be reading chapter five to y'all so do your homework keep your eye on your podcast feeds and get excited because we have so much fun stuff coming your way and there's another reason to be excited too because as of today there are only 303 days left until christmas 303 if you're listening to this episode the day it drops which is crazy we'll be in the 200s next week and the year will continue to fly by. We all know that once we hit Leon Day in June, it's all downhill from there. And Leon Day will be here before you know it. So, do your homework. Watch the first three Christmas episodes of Home Improvement in advance of Monday's episode. And on behalf of Tom, Julia, and myself, I just want to say we love and support you all. We've said it before, but I just want to take a moment to say it again. We have the best listeners in the world, the best listeners of any podcast out there. When we started the show just under four years ago, we never expected it to take off like it did. We thought if we got one listener per week, that would be a lot. And you continue to blow us away with your support and your love and your enthusiasm for what we do. And you definitely make what we do all the more fun for us to do. So we love you. We thank you. And until next Monday, have a good weekend, y'all. Bum, 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 bum.